0: You are listening to NFL Kickoff Live, an hour-long weekly show where Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs join me, Tanitra Batiste, to break down this week's action and biggest storylines around the NFL. You can catch us live each week from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern on your favorite Locked On NFL YouTube page. Welcome into NFL Kickoff Live. It's the best hour of football talk every single Friday. We'll go around the NFL, talk about every team and every game, and we'll get you local insight that you can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs. And guys, we're going to go straight to Thursday night football. The Jacksonville Jaguars started strong against the New Orleans Saints, but we're not able to put them away until the first last minute of the game literally the last minute
1: a win is a win again for the jacksonville jaguars i'm tony wiggins with the locked on jaguars podcast where at your team every day unbelievable that the jacksonville jaguars hold on to win 31 24 versus the new orleans saints in the big easy in a game the jaguars dominated early but just didn't score enough points to pull away and made enough mistakes that allowed the saints to hang around and stay in the game trevor lawrence started out very hot ironically ran the ball extremely well even though it was banged up but at the end of the day the hero was christian kirk in the second half and second year player monteric brown we call him buster at corner he played very well and had some key plays down the stretch including the final play of the game for the new orleans saints The Jaguars hold on to win 31-24. It's on to Pittsburgh. A win is a
2: win, and they'll take it. Check me out on Locked On Jaguars every single day. Another disappointing and disheartening loss for the New Orleans Saints that has a lot to do with their offensive inconsistencies. I'm Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast. New Orleans Saints dropping their fourth season, fourth game of the season here to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the story comes to another slow start on the offensive side. While well, the Jacksonville Jaguars were cooking in the first half, the New Orleans Saints offense operated well within the twenties, within the thirties, getting in the Jacksonville territory five times and coming up with only six points to show for. In the first half, that cannot be what the New Orleans Saints are or try to be throughout the remainder of the season. And maybe it's time to start talking about some play caller and some big time offensive changes in the process. If you want to know more about what those changes could look like, head over to the Locked On Saints podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Whew, guys, that was some kind of game last night. Literally, it had you on the edge of your seat. Now, Jarvis, can either the Jaguars or the Saints, based on what you saw last night, maybe as your most recent sample size, can either of them be a contender?
1: Um, the, My my quick answer for the Saints is no, um, because like I said, there are just too many <laughs> oh. issues. Uh, you paid $100 million to a guy like Derek Carr, who's been pretty yeah. b- average to above average quarterback in the NFL since he walked through that door. So, and then you talk about the play-calling stand, standpoint. I thought Ross made a great point. You talk about slow starts to games. Something is wrong, right? There, there is, from a uh, a scheme standpoint, a game-planning standpoint, Pete Carmichael just hasn't been able to figure that out. So, and Derek Carr looks like it. You know, it, it, you yeah. can just see after incompletions on whether it be third down or even when they tried to attempt it on fourth down, it was just a frustration. Dang it. Oh, man. Oh, man, I didn't get it done. You know, so it just – it's just too many things going on to, for those guys to be factors. But the Jaguars, on the other hand, this was the team coming into this season, right? The expectations were high for this team yes. coming into the season. We said that, hey, this is going to be the team to come out of the AFC South. And I really feel like you could be a contender as long as you take care of your division. And I feel like the Jaguars have been able to do that. I like mm-hmm. what I saw last night with Doug Peterson. He was getting yep. a little bit creative. You know, he was throwing some a couple of little tricks, couple of the tricks out of his bag since we're coming up on Halloween. I like how he, I like how he did that. So I really feel like Saints, no, definitely not. But I think Jaguars are starting to get back into that conversation of hey, we can we we're gonna make some noise in AFC South and we can make some in the playoffs as well.
0: Yeah, and Kyle, for me, one of the telling things was the way Trevor Lawrence handled things on offense when it looked like that game was starting to get away from the Jacksonville Jaguars, his communication with Christian Kirk, his communication with Travis ATN. I felt like Derek Carr was more un- like he was unraveling. Like you saw him go to the sidelines and really like go in on Chris Olave. You saw him have some frustration with Michael Thomas and it shows the the disarray, the very disarray that Jarvis talked about with the saints. But I like that the Jaguars stuck in, like Tony said, they they hung in there, Kyle, and a win is a win. Is a
3: win. Yeah, what's that saying from? Remember the Titans. Attitude reflects leadership, right? Yeah. You're sitting here yeah. looking at the Saints, and and there's a lot of finger pointing. And mm-hmm. I mean, Nitro, you didn't even mention the one where he, he got an Alvin Kamara's grill, where it yes. looked like Kamara was su- supposed to convert his route on the outside, and uh, there was a pressure, and Carr throws it, expecting him that, that he was going to run a hitch, and mm-hmm. and Kamara kept running up the sideline. So. Yes. uh, ample examples of new Orleans not being on the same page. And I think the biggest roadblock, I think JD said it best is that from a coaching perspective, play calling perspective, the saints are more talented than this. Yeah, They should not yeah. be shooting themselves in the foot to the degree that they are. And that is not a reflection. I think of the talent. Now, I think you have questions about Derek Carr and his assimilation into new personnel and a new offense. And you know they've kind of been banged up a little bit along the offensive line and it running back. So I get some of it, but the talent's still there Yeah. and they're not putting it together. And you're getting to the stage of the season now where unless you figure it out really quick, it does limit what your ceiling is going to be for this season. I guess the silver lining is we expect the NFC South to be fairly closely bunched together all season long, but the AFC South side of things with the Jaguars, I expect them to, only further pull away uh, when you look at beyond the next couple of weeks. Now they they're at Pittsburgh by week and then San Francisco, uh, but then they go Tennessee. They got the Texans again. They'll be looking for revenge in that game after they Mm -hmm. lost by three touchdowns. The first time that they played Uh, they get the Panthers in there. They play the Titans twice. Like this team's getting ready to leave the station as far as what their schedule is setting up for them to be. And it'll be interesting to see how their win total evens out in the end. But uh, I do expect this Jaguars team to be playing probably in the wild card round with a home playoff game and a minimum this year.
0: So Jarvis, it sounds like to me, Casey is comfortable putting the Jags in what we will call the pretenders spot. But if you look at the Saints now, I know you probably don't think they're, they're contenders. I'm sorry, contenders for the Jags, of course, of mm-hmm. course. But when we look at the Saints, do you put them in the contender category? Do you put them in on the rise, meaning that they're kind of on the bubble and we don't really know who they are yet? Or do you put them as pretenders because, like Kyle said, we're a third of the way into the season and maybe we
1: more we know more, more versus less? Um, can I can I make up a category? Yeah. I'm about to fall off the railers. That's what that's what that's why I, I see these things. So right? not even <laughs> on the rise, not pretenders. You're just off cliff. just, just off, a off the railers. Like off that's, where, that's where that's okay. where I call the things. Fall off the railers. Like, because here's the thing. Like, like Kyle, Casey makes a great point. You talk about leadership, right? Look, like who's at the helm down there? Is it Sean Payton? Sean Payton's still the head coach down there? Uh-uh. <laughs> you know, as much as I despise Sean Payton, it, you know, just as a human being, like he is a heck of a coach, and I think that you know, that his leadership that he had for that team and how he run th- ran things down there, it was, it's it's sorely missing. It's it's yeah. sorely yeah. missing right now because you have a, a guy Dennis Allen who has never really proved himself to be a head coach. Don't, I mean, he just basically stuck around, been around long enough, and he was good, a good defensive coordinator. And then mm-hmm. taking over after Sean Payton left, but he's just not a good head coach. And we're talking about all of these things going on, right? You're talking about the quarterback getting in the face of your running, your starting running back, your star running back, right? You know, a guy who coming off suspension and dealing right. with stuff. I, I didn't out on the West Coast and all that, getting into the, all that stuff and, and facing, you know, some some, some serious charges. So and, and then you have the quarterback, the new quarterback, and the new system. All mm-hmm. those things just start to compound each other, and you ch- and you try to put out so many fires. At the end of the day, if you're not a good leader or a great leader, you're never gonna. It's gonna continue to snowball, and that's just why I feel where the Saints are right now. Now, granted, the NFC South is a division that is, is clearly up for grabs. I w- I'm not going to sit up here and say that you know the Falcons and the Bucks are going to just just run away with the division, but like when you're talking about setting yourself up for failure. That's what it looks like for the Saints to me.
0: Yeah. And Kyle, you know, when we talk about, and we've we've kind of moved a little bit here and there because we know we've got the top two pretty much in the AFC and the NFC, and then it's kind of everybody else middling and trying to get to the top. But for you, when you kind of look at one thing that still, I, I still feel like they're at the top of the food chain for the NFC, but maybe they showed some chinks in the armor no more undefeated teams left because the 49ers went down and granted they had a lot of players go down so I'll leave that caveat but the Eagles kind of imploded uh really Jalen hurts imploded but the Eagles kind of imploded and there went their quote unquote undefeated season so when you look at that which loss last week Casey would you say was more about their team and what they did versus who beat them the 49ers or the Eagles
3: So I think, I think there was some hard luck for both teams Yeah. Uh, where you think about San Francisco, you played bad all day, you played against a good defense, you had three of your best players that went down throughout the course of the game, but then you still had a chance to get the kick at the end of the game and win the game. You just, your third round rookie kicker missed the kick. Yeah. Whereas Philadelphia, uh, you're right. I would say that down. one was worse. I, yeah. I would say that the Eagles game was worse because, like, yeah. you still had the ball with the lead in the final yes. three minutes. Yes. And Jalen Hurts threw his worst interception. I would say, you know, of the interceptions that he had, he tried to throw a screen to Dallas Goddard that his hands got hit as he was turning upfield and it popped into Quentin Williams' hands for one. And then the other one, he got hit with a pressure. And the ball popped out of his hands up into the air and it knuckleballed over to one of these corners for the Jets. The Correct. one interception that Jalen Hurts threw that was egregiously a Jalen Hurts mistake was the one yeah. with three minutes left in the game that Tony Adams runs back into the red zone. And it set the Jets up to, to score the game winning touchdown. So mm-hmm. I would say the San Francisco loss was worse or, or the the more understandable and the Philly loss was worse yeah. because of how that game script played out in the final five minutes.
4: Yeah, I would
0: have to agree with you as well, because when I look at it, maybe the biggest loss and really not loss because I think he's been practicing and he's expected to be back was Lane Johnson. But other than that, you pretty much were at full strength. This was just kind of that implosion type of a game. It it felt like uh, for the Eagles, they just seemed just a little bit disjointed compared to the team that has been ascending since looking disjointed from week one. But what say you Jarvis? I mean, you look at both of these teams, you look at them. Going down last week. Which one do you feel is more about the team? Was it more about the Eagles and how they played, 49ers and how they played, or who they were up against?
1: I think it's more so what it, what they were up against because, like, I really like the Super, the 76 49ers looked invincible this year, right? Like, they've been putting up points and they've just been dominating up front. And then they go out and go get a guy like Randy Gregory and he get his first sack, you know, since being, you know, uh, traded um, mm-hmm. from the Broncos. It's just, And and I think I found it interesting that both teams went up against like pretty high level defense. I'm going to go and go out on a limb and say Cleveland is elite and elite defense. It took an elite defense for for San Francisco to get their first loss of the um, season. I think that stands out to me a little bit more because the Philadelphia Eagles, let's just be honest, y'all. They've been playing with five the entire season <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's just been like they've been barely squeaking by because you know i got hugh douglas been been trying to calm all uh, philadelphia fans uh nerves up there in philadelphia because they've been going crazy but yeah. they've been finding ways to win they just weren't able to do that this this particular weekend like you said like casey said hearse uh, had a bad game true enough but but for the san francisco 49ers to take the l Against a backup quarterback and P.J. Walker, he still threw two interceptions. He turned the ball over as well. And they still were able to figure out a way to win that game. So I feel like that's the game that kind of stood out a little bit to me more because, like, San Francisco has been dominating everybody. They've just been kicking everybody's butts up and down the field. But the Cleveland Browns were able to figure it out by playing elite defense and a lot of man coverage. Man, I just love defense like that. I think the defense is back. I'm gonna go ahead and go on a limb and say it. defenses are back in the NFL team. They're about to take over. I don't care said about the said by the former defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no
0: prejudice, right, Kyle? No prejudice. No, 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 no sorry, nobody, nobody is there. No. No. Nobody is there. But yeah, I thought, and and you could make an argument both ways, right? Because in both of those situations, the undefeated teams had every opportunity to remain undefeated and just kind of get by, but they couldn't. Because, yeah, that Jets defense, it's something to be reckoned with as well. Absolutely. But it was Absolutely. interesting because my thought too went to, hmm, Detroit is five and one. So, where does that kind of lead? You know, as far as the parity goes, I don't know if you guys think they've kind of leapfrogged into that top three that we've been talking about for the NFC. Because, really, let's face it, we've been talking top two for the NFC since we started, but they're all five and one now. So, I mean, Jarvis is is the playing field a little bit more level? <laughs> I,
1: I I gotta say so, yes, because Detroit has been pretty consistent, right? Like every game we've watched or talked about, when we talked about maybe whether it be the game of the week or. You know especially when when it gets the Falcons and, and the Lions, what they did against the Buccaneers just last week. Uh it's just it just goes to show like you you know exactly what you're gonna get when you go up a face of Detroit Lions team. What in the world did I just say that? <laughs> like, wow, consistency, like that is a word that we haven't used for this team in quite some time. So, I mean, we have to, we can't not put them in that top three in the category or at least say, hey. They're starting to move in that same conversation as the, the 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles, for sure.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but be, you're absolutely right. We don't really use the word consistency when it comes to talking about the Detroit Lions. I don't think I've ever bad. used it. Yeah, it's consi- <laughs> right. And now we're talking consistently good. And we're going to talk on the other side of the break about two teams in the Dolphins and Eagles, despite what we saw in the Eagles last week, that have been consistently good and trending up for first Jarvis. is here to tell you how to take charge of your health with Jace Medical
1: this episode of nfl kickoff live is brought to you by jace medical people i'm telling you everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected because here's the thing i got small kids and i never want to be in a situation where i'm unprepared never want to do that because i want to be able to make sure my kids are safe and if they have a situation where they might need some antibiotics I know exactly where to go to, and you should go to Jay's case as well. They provide five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, all it takes to get a Jay case to fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. So, And you can get ongoing care from our physicians on any treatment-related questions. Dr. Created, Dr. Rekha. So you, Jace even handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So people, make sure that you don't get caught off guard and go to jacemedical.com and enter code Locked On at checkout for a twenty dollars discount on your order. That's promo code Locked On at jacemedical.com. That's j a s e medical.com.
0: Oh, yeah, we got a big showdown coming up this weekend between the Dolphins and the Eagles. And we talked ahead of the break about those upper echelon teams over in the NFC side. But, Kyle, Miami is right up there in that conversation on the AFC side. Of course, they, along with Kansas City, are both 5-1. and one. Jacksonville Jaguars are kind of right there, sneakily good at 5-2. and two. But let's talk about your Dolphins. Man, oh, man, are they looking good. I, I was uh, – kind of surfing through some things this morning, and this is the first time since maybe his Alabama days have I heard conversation about Tua tunga taking the top award in a league when we were having conversations about him back in college about Heisman, talking about him being the MVP. I mean, Kyle, first of all, you know, you follow this team, you cover this team each and every day. What about this team has them ready to take on the Eagles in a tough, tough environment like Philadelphia. I think that
3: the the loss that Miami took this year, they went to Buffalo in week four. Yes. And the Dolphins spoke, the coaching staff and the players spoke after the game about how that environment challenged the timing of their offense because they're such a shift and motion oriented offense. Yes. They have motion at the snap on over 60% of their offensive plays. It's like a crazy high number. And a lot of that comes With timing, well, they go to Buffalo, they get this raucous crowd that's really loud. The first five possessions of the game are all touchdown drives. And then Miami gets out of sync a little bit. And they spoke about how their communication and their timing was impacted by what they experienced in Buffalo. Well, They spoke about it in week four. You've now had three weeks to think about the next road game environment you were going to go to, knowing that it was Sunday night football against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. What have you done with your communication system, whether that's hand signals, nonverbal cues, silent count, whatever. What have you done to address how it impacted you in Buffalo and do it differently this week? And I think that's the biggest change for something that they endured earlier this season because the talent's there. You, you look at the offensive production, you look at the speed, you look at the explosive plays, everything compounds on top of itself between the skills of Tua Tungvalo with the skills of the receiver, with Mike McDaniels play calling. This mm-hmm. has been one of the better performing offensive lines in football on yes. both fronts with the run game and the pass game. And that was not necessarily expected at the beginning of the year. There are a ton of Dolphins fans that had a million questions about the offensive line and mm-hmm. Toronto arms says on injured reserve right now. Yeah. And they're still performing at a high level. So, The the talent's there. It's the ability to take what you do and put it into an environment that's a big game environment where you're not at home and apply it. And I think that's the big question for Miami coming in. But I think the fact that they've already done it once gets them in a better position to do it against the Eagles.
0: Yeah. Now, J.D., Philly is on fire right now. Still, it's been about five days and they are still having meltdowns about what happened with the Eagles, but they should look at Jalen Hurts' Yeah, I mean, exactly. (laughs) But they should look at Jalen Hurts' record because his only back-to-back loss situation since he started in the league was early in his first year. It was October of 2021. So it's been two years since him being a starter under center for the Philadelphia Eagles, he's taken back-to-back L's. What about a reset from the debacle from last weekend can allow the Eagles to get a win this weekend with a team like Miami, to Kyle's point, that's really functioning on all cylinders and they just continue to improve
1: week by week? Run the quarterback. I'm call quarterback runs, not scrambles and everything. You're in trouble and all that stuff. I'm talking about call quarterback runs, because here's is what that's going to do in the game like this. When you're coming up against a high powered offense, like Tua and all those guys and all those track runners, they got on their offense. Yes. like <laughs> those, You want to keep those guys off the field. So you want to talk about ball control and you have the offensive line to do it. They wanted to better the offensive lines. Like, like Casey mentioned in the national football league. So, you're gonna to have to go up there, go up there, and say, "Hey, we're gonna take the air out of the ball, and we're gonna convert in the red zone, and we're not gonna turn the ball over because you know there's no formula for a quarterback throwing the ball as much as uh Hurst did and and turn the ball over like he did, though, because those were just bad turnovers, and you can put your defense in bad situations." Jalen Carter is, is hopefully going to be back this week. You know, that man, you bring the man back into the situation like that. Those are some of the things that, that can help you dominate the game like you need to do on both sides of the football. So if they can take the air out of the football, those call quarterback runs, don't necessarily put it in jail, put it all on Jalen Hurts' arm, you know, to, to get the job done. Because we know he can get it done doing both. Right. You know, they almost won that Super Bowl. You know, it, they were they were really close to, to getting it done. Uh, just getting it done so now it's just a matter of going getting a little bit more of that 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 style offense I know you got a new offense coordinator and everything like that I know that guy's out the door but you need to start implementing some of those things that brought Jalen Hurst to this to this point right this is what brought him to that point using his legs as well and you know uh, have an MVP caliber uh, situation at the quarterback spot so I think that they can do that.
0: Yeah, that'll definitely be an intriguing matchup Sunday night. Another interesting game this week will be with the second place Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that not many people believed, including Steeler Nation right here, in before the season and the Los Angeles Rams as they look to try and stay relevant in a very quirky NFC West, of course, outside of the 49ers. Locked on Rams host Doug McCain joined our Locked on Steelers host Chris Carter to break down this can't miss game.
5: When they're able to put together a game plan, they limit guys. If you go, in fact, if you go back to the last time they played the Rams, and that was when they had backup quarterbacks in the year 2019, when they didn't have, uh, they had Mason Rudolph starting that game because Ben Roethlisberger was out for the season that year. You go back to that game, Cooper Cup held to zero yards in, in that game. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Donald only got one sack in that game. You thought that he'd get a lot more against that. They tried to neutralize him as best they can. The Steelers recognize that guys like that, they're going to be game breakers. They're going to be guys who make plays, and you have to understand that. But you have to scheme around Trying to limit them as much as possible. That's where the Steelers, I think, are going to do as much as they can to say, "Hey, you can. You're going to be able to get the ball to him, but to get it to him, you're going to have to work, and you have to keep working, and you're going to have to start making more risks at it." That's where I think the Steelers they can they can work on doubling Cooper Cup a little bit more. But the biggest pro- thing is they have to take away the quicker throws for Stafford, like you were talking about. He wants to get the ball out quick. They have to take that away, force him to hold on to the ball, and make him have to trust his offensive line against the Steelers' pass rush. They do that. I think that's their best. Chance to try to counterbalance what the Rams love to do in the passing game because Matt Stafford, you know, if you give him space in that pocket, he's going to kill you.
6: 100%. I, I think that's absolutely one of the biggest keys. Then we look back on money we evaluate this game is did they get the ball out quick? Did you run enough to keep that Steelers defense honest? If you do those two things, then give your chance to have some balance because you have to have some semblance of a running game in this one because if you have. The offense relying too much on explosives. It could be a miserable day for Matthew Stafford getting to the quarterback. So I'm definitely looking at that one. Also, Christopher, I had to point out this, and it pains me to say this, of course, shout out to the Ramley, big Rams fan here, but Steelers in town, there's going to be a lot of terrible towels. The They might be selling the terrible towels at the Rams concessions during this one, okay? <laughs> so it's going to be a factor. probably going to see over 50% Steelers fans. Don't doubt that, but I still think this game, is really up in the air. I think you'll look at the Rams offense, the momentum they built, the defense that has been surprisingly close to leave league average. They've been good in a lot of different categories that can neutralize this Steelers offense averaging 15.8 points per game. I think this one is going to be a lower scoring affair. I don't anticipate them lighting up the scoreboard. I don't know if you throw out predictions on your show for the predictions episode for the crossover, but I got the Rams winning this one 24, 17. I usually hold off my predictions for Friday because
5: I try to I try to build up suspense to what my picks will be. But I will say I, I think this is going to be a very close contest. I think both teams are still fighting to to be the other teams that they want to be by the end of the season. Um, and I think that the Rams' their strength in the passing game it it hits right at the Steelers' weakness as far as covering right now. And I, but I also think the Steelers' strength as far as getting after the quarterback hits at the Rams' weakness as far as protecting the quarterback. And that's where I'm just not hundred percent sure just yet is where I where I fall in this prediction. But to your point about you know the, the Steelers fans being there, people need to understand. I think people in Pittsburgh have come to know this, but people naturally don't understand. Steelers fans aren't traveling. They're just everywhere.
0: He's right. I went to a Steelers-Rams game a couple years ago in L.A., and I thought I was in Pittsburgh. That said, Kyle, I think it's interesting that We talked, they talked the guys talked a little bit about Cooper Cup, who obviously has been back now. I think this is his second game back, which is great for that offense for Matt Stafford. But there's another guy who's really been on fire for that team who the Steelers are going to have to definitely make sure that they're watching out for, right? And I'm thinking about like Joey Porter Jr., they're looking at elevating him to kind of uh, beep up that secondary. But I mean, what do you think about that passing game and that passing attack for Matt Stafford? Is it more potent than what that secondary for the Steelers can do? Yeah. I'd, it, because if, okay.
3: if the Steelers are going to have success defending the Rams passing game, I think you do need more contributions from Joey Porter and, and banking on that youth and the potential and, and how he was widely regarded as a first round prospect that just slipped, just barely slipped out of the first round. Because the athleticism of the corners that Pittsburgh has otherwise leaves a little something to be desired. The athleticism of the linebackers that are defending the middle of the field for Pittsburgh leaves something to be desired. And Matthew Stafford's playing at a really high level right now. So Stafford throwing the ball to Puka Nakua, having Cooper cut back. That combo of guys, regardless of what other injuries the Rams have on the offensive side of the ball with Kyron Williams being banged up, I don't think it matters because I I look at Pittsburgh's back seven and yeah, you've got Minka Fitzpatrick back there, but you need need somebody to help you change the math and be able to send confidently extra attention towards one of the other receivers. And if it's not going to be Joey Porter that steps up and provides that for them, I don't know that they have the horses to do it.
0: Yeah. And Jarvis, when we talked a little bit earlier about Dolphins Eagles, one of the things that you mentioned that would be in the Eagles favor is time of possession. And with a guy like Matt Stafford having rhythm in that passing game, you kind of want to keep him off the field as well. But if you keep him off the field, Steelers, then what what are you guys going to do? Like, what is Kenny Pickett going to do? George Pickens has kind of been Captain Sava for Kenny Pickett, but he's got to step up the level of his play, and they've got to see more from their run game, from their one-two punch. If they're, you know, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, they've got to see more from that one-two punch, I think, if they're going to have an opportunity to get this win. But what do you think is their best path to a win?
1: It's going to have to be getting your Najee Harrison more involved because he hasn't rushed for a touchdown this year. Right. And it seems like Jalen Warren is kind of taking over that whole lead back mm-hmm. situation, you know, especially when, when you talk about what he can do in the, in the, in the, in the passing game yes. um, from that standpoint. So yeah, it's, like the Steelers offense we've been talking about on this show, you know, ever since we started this bad boy, about how the weirdness of this offense, because they have weapons. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, Deontay Johnson goes down. I think he's in the, uh, the practice window right now, so we'll see yeah. whether or not he's going to be able to return. But you still have guys. You got George Pickens. You got Fryer Move. You got Jalen Warren. You got Najee Harris. They're, they're They have weapons to work with. It just seems like they just can't quite figure it out. And I think that you know, they're going to have to, you know, simplify this thing a little bit. I feel start mm-hmm. running the football, get back to some of that old school uh Steeler, Steeler Nation type offense, running yes. the football and play action and finding your tight end, because like you said, that's what you have. You might not have your, your game breaking, your other game breaking wide receiver mm-hmm. and, and Deontay Johnson, but you do have a guy in Fry move that you can hit on those intermediate uh, routes. You do have a runner back you can pass to out of the backfield and, and mm-hmm. get start working some screens and, and simplify, getting Kenny Pickett in a, a rhythm because that quarterback class is, is not looking good right now. You talking right. about Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, yeah. and, and Kenny yeah. Pickett, like
0: yeah, which was supposed had. to be the stuff. <laughs> Second coming of, you know, the greatest class. So, yeah, quite interesting to see what they're going to do. And you're absolutely right. Najee Harris, they've got to get him more involved. And to your point, not just in the run game, but, yeah, he is a pass catcher. So take advantage of the pass catcher that you have. Now, when we come back, we're going to chop it up more about some contenders in a minute. But first, Jarvis is here to tell you guys about FanDuel.
1: Guys, I'm going to let you know that this episode of the NFL Kickoff Live show is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers, all the people who haven't gone to FanDuel, and you've been just trying to figure out how you can make some more money. How about this? Go to FanDuel.com right now. Right now. And all you got to do is drop $5. $5. That's it. One, two, three, four, five. Five dollars, and you to get two hundred dollars in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a five-dollar bet. And guess what? You can do with those bonus bets. What can you do, Jarvis? You can get use those to um, put money on the spreads, player props, over/unders, and much, much more. I'm telling you guys, the Fanduel app is super safe. It's easy to use. You gotta worry about anybody getting information or anything to that 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 knowledge, right? So here's what the website is. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, FanDuel. And it's the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now, guys, we talked a little bit
0: about the Dolphins and Eagles earlier in the show. Kyle gave his perspective. Jarvis, you chimed in as well. But what about the Eagles? So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. The FanDuel line is two and a half in favor of Philly. Will the Eagles be able to cover that. Here to sell us why is Locked On Eagles host Gino Camilleri.
7: Gino Camilleri here from the Locked On Eagles podcast. Here to sell you why on the Philadelphia Eagles and why they're going to cover the two and a half point spread against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday night football. Well, first, it's a Sunday night football game. That means America is going to be tuned in. That means Vegas is going to be very honed in on this one. Usually these primetime games, that number... It's there for a reason. Two and a half points, what comes into play? A field goal. An end of the game field goal seems what might likely be the reason why the Eagles win this football game. It could be a boat race a majority of the time. We know Miami can put up a ton of points, but can the Philadelphia Eagles and their run offense that at time has choked away the clock get back to what they do best? and control the football. The reason I say the Eagles can cover this spread is if it comes down to a field goal at the end of the game in a tied game scenario, and the Eagles have the ball with, let's say, anywhere of six minutes and above, the Eagles have shown that they can run that clock out and get it into a situation where they can come home and win this football game. But why do I say the run game can be this effective? Well, if you look at Miami, currently they have the 25th ranked DVOA defense when it comes to the rush 22nd against the pass the Eagles are going to have to restrict Miami when it comes to the amount of possessions that they have I'm going to ride with the over I think a lot of points are scored but I also think this game is very close the over is at 51 and a half that means that a team is going to have to score 27 another one is going to have to score 26 let's say the Eagles can win this one 30 to 27 the Eagles win. You're going to cover that two and a half, and I think it comes at the hands of the Eagles possessing the clock, controlling the run game, and winning where it matters in the trenches. I'm Gino Camilleri. Join us all five days each and every week over at Time. Kyle, you riding with Gino that Philly will be able to cover?
3: No. <laughs> now, i'm just gonna play devil's advocate i think the, the, so. pathways, the pathways for philadelphia win the game are, are are there and i think gino's absolutely right about philadelphia was really surprised that they called 45 even more than 45 dropbacks last week versus just yeah. 20 rushes is what they ended up with and some of those were jalen Hurts scrambles in a game that they led the entire time so it was right. kind of a weird script for them last week uh but but nevertheless uh, just to play devil's advocate uh, that Dolphins rush defense gets hammered because they gave up 233 yards against the chargers in week one. They're averaging 90 yards a rush allowed team yards in the five game sets. So that has been something where you have seen some improvements. Carolina kind of got them on their heels in the first quarter uh, of this past game, but they were down 14, nothing and then still buckled down and and had a strong performance against the run for the totality of the game. So Uh, I think Miami's rush defense, while I I know the efficiencies in DVOA, and yards per carry, it doesn't look great, but uh, it's because the Chargers put up 233 on them in week one. I think that you've seen some improvement there, and and I think Jalen Hurts is going to have to win this game if the Eagles
0: are going to win this game. Well, Jarvis, i got to tell you that I cannot wait because that was such a reaction from Kyle. I can't wait to hear your reaction about the Packers and Giants. The Green Bay Packers find themselves road favorites this week as they face An embarrassing Denver Broncos team. The FanDuel line on this one is only one and a half here to sell us why we should be taking Green Bay as Locked On Packers host, Peter Bukowski.
2: The Green Bay Packers are going to cover the one and a half point spread at FanDuel. Let me tell you why. I'm Peter Bukowski, host of Locked On Packers. And does the number 70 mean anything to you? That's how many points the Miami Dolphins hung on the Denver Broncos, who just happened to be the Packers' opponent over whom they are favored by one and a half points. The Packers happen to be coming off their bye week. And for all the questions about Jordan Love and this offense, the Packers are in the top half of the league in EPA per play. The last time they faced a defense even close to as bad as the Denver Broncos defense They scored over 30 on the Chicago Bears. That also happened to be the last time Aaron Jones was this healthy for a football game, and they did that without Christian Watson, who is himself healthy, headed into this game. The Packers are rested. They are getting their top playmakers back, and they are facing a historically bad defense. That is what this Denver Broncos team is historically bad oh and the offense couldn't even get to 95 passing yards last week against the Kansas City Chiefs the Packers cover one and a half
0: all right Jarvis Peter told us how he really felt so I'm gonna ask you how do you really feel
1: I think that one and a half is a lock. What's the strength? <laughs> what, what is it? A super lock? A seven lock? An eight oh, lock? Oh, yeah, yeah, lock, Level one. It is.
8: Right. <laughs> Level one lock. That's right. That's right. You
1: know, whatever it is, whatever it is, say, hey, yeah, they're going to cover this squad. I promise you they're going to cover it because, like, Jordan Love is is kind of been exposed in these last few games, guys. Like, the, the offensive line has not protected well. He's been sacked eight times, you know, in the last three games, and he's turned the ball over he had six interceptions and a fumble. So it's just been kind of spiraling a little bit. So when you talk about being able to get a guy like Christian Watson back, we know what he was able to do last year. Um, and, and as far as the production, as far as production goes we Aaron Rodgers. So we know he, his capabilities. You got Romeo Dobbs that can, you know, get the job done as well. So I think that when you have a, a situation where your young quarterback is struggling and hey, you get back to the basics, I hate to, Try to uh, take offensive offenses back to you know 1999 and, and and the early 2000s, but that's what it is. When you have a young quarterback who's struggling, you, you're struggling in protection and, and being able to do that. I really feel like you get back to the basics because we've seen Jordan Love has some has some success, right? In that first two games against the, against the Falcons, you had those uh, what six touchdowns and no interceptions. He played clean, right? But I think that now you kind of start get back into it, get him in. Give him in some 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 similar plays that where he has some success and, and, and make sure they're able to, you know, do that. So I think that if they do those things, I think I think they're definitely covering this game.
0: Now, Jarvis, you can't say the nine-nine in the two thousands and think that I will not catch that. But anyway. Kyle, when we talk about this team, I mean, to,
1: talk, to,
2: to you just caught it the like two team. seconds late.
1: <laughs> it's, it's been in my, it's been,
8: my, it's been in my brain. Anyway, Kyle, I think you're working with
1: me. I think you're probably
0: a few minutes ahead of him. So I'm going to ask you this question in all honesty. And it's kind of weird because you know, you were thinking of when the Green Bay, Pack- Green Bay Packers kind of made it clear that they were ready to part ways with Aaron Rodgers. That Jordan Love was ready to really take over the reins and at least help them them to kind of get back to some semblance of glory. But what do you make of his performance thus far this season?
3: I don't envy Jordan Love uh, for having to step in for Aaron Rodgers. I don't envy Jordan Love for having an offensive line that's now has David Bakhtiari out for the the year again. That that's <laughs> one of the best left tackles in football. He has not been healthy. Elton Jenkins was banged up for them and has missed some time as well in the first month and a half of the season. So that's your best two offensive linemen. And then, oh, by the way, Aaron Jones has missed a bunch of time. A.J. Dillon does not look like he's got anything beyond first gear anymore. It's bad as far as what he brings from a juice perspective. Mm -hmm. And then you have first and second year players at every roster spot at wide receiver and tight end. And it's like, in what way did you set Jordan Love up to be successful? So he sat, yeah, he learned the offense, but I didn't think the process from the personnel that they had, aside of maybe the injuries that they've incurred on the offensive line and Aaron Jones was particularly good. You have a developing quarterbacks that you've surrounded with developing players in the passing game where there's no consistency. There there's, there's, he's learning how to do it. And the guys who are doing everything else around him are learning how to do it too. And I think that creates this vacuum of volatility where you've seen it with green Bay and the turnovers have come in bunches and it's been really stop and go. And I I agree with Jarvis. If they're going to get it right, let's, let's wind the clock back a little bit. Let's play some old school football. Let's let Aaron Jones, you're paying him $12 million a season. Let him be the guy because it can't be A.J. Dillon based off what he's shown us in the first month and a half of the season. So um, I sympathize with Jordan Love. It needs to be better, but I also sympathize with what he's had to work with so far.
0: Yeah, yeah, and speaking of wanting to turn the clock back, I'm sure the New York Giants and the Washington Commanders would want to do the same from their glory days, but right about now, not the top of the NFC East, the bottom of the division. The Commanders come in on FanDuel as three-point road favorites which isn't really a surprise to anyone, but here to still sell us why the Giants can be a factor in this game our Locked On Giants host Patricia Trana
8: The anyway. New York Giants are a two and a half point underdog at home against the Washington Commanders this weekend. But if you're looking for a reason to roll with Big Blue, look no further than the Giants' philosophical shift on defense the last couple of weeks regarding the Blitz. New York has blitzed under 20% of the time in each of its last two games, instead getting home with a four man rush. Why is that significant? Because Washington quarterback Sam Howell has completed 56.9% of his pass attempts while also throwing four interceptions when under pressure this season. Howell, on the other hand, has performed a lot better against the Blitz. When he's been blitzed, he has completed 61.4% of his pass attempts and has two touchdowns to two interceptions. If the Giants can make the young quarterback uncomfortable, that will go a long way towards putting the ball back in their offense's hands or hopefully a slimmed down passing game that will feature receivers Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton, and Wandale Robinson, along with running back Saquon Barkley and tight end Darren Waller can push the Giants towards the end zone a little bit more often than they have in recent weeks. well,
0: Patricia almost convinced us Jarvis almost
1: she did. <laughs> no offense to Patricia, but like, I think this is the perfect matchup for for the for the for the commanders, right? because we know how awful the Giants offensive line is, right? They just been just trying to figure it out. like they are. Just like Kyle sympathizes with Jordan Love, I sympathize with the Giants uh, 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 personnel staff and try to put together, piece together right. something to 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 protect the dog go quarterback. And I'm glad they had Tyron Taylor, who can move around a little bit more, you know, more so than uh, Dan, Dan, uh, Danny Dimes. But I think that with the Washington Commanders and, and what they were able to do against the Falcons last week, uh, I think that they can continue to, you know, put, Put this quarterback, put the quarterback on the ground. And I think this is a, a, a horrible matchup for the Giants because we know all of the talent that they have up and down that line from Jonathan Allen, you know, and, and De'Ron De- Payne and, and Chase Young, all those guys that can get to the quarterback. And I think that that's what going to be one of the things why I feel like the Giants aren't going to be able to cover that spread.
0: Now notice, Kyle, we came out with Van Duel having the commanders as three-point favorites, But the rest of our commentary was, that's not a surprise, but that Patricia was supposed to sell us why the Giants can be a factor. Not win, but be a factor in the game. Is there a path to winning this game for the Giants?
3: I think so. I think it involves bottling the inspired effort that the defense had last week against the Buffalo Bills. And there were some storylines in that between Brian Dayball playing against his old team and uh, Terod Taylor, and he used to, Quarterback the Buffalo Bills and got them to the playoffs and then they cast him out. And uh, I I think there's certainly some emotional factors that played into why the Giants played as well as they did. But the, the crazy, the crazy stat that I have for this game is that Giants quarterbacks have been sacked 33 times so far this season. And that's still less than the amount of times that Sam Howell has been sacked this season. Sam Howell's been sacked 34, 34 times. 34 times, yeah. This season.
1: <laughs> so crazy. It's just
3: the offensive line. For, so when nobody can block, right. I think it does kind of create this chaos vacuum where it's a one bounce of the ball, right? One strip sack of Sam Howell that the Giants can run back for a touchdown. That might be all you need. If, it, if, if the Giants are going to have success with Wink Martindale and they are going to disrupt Sam Howell, and prevent any kind of sustained movement of the football, it could be that kind of game. And if the Giants are going to win, I think it has to be that kind of game where they don't shoot themselves in the foot, but yeah. they take advantage of spotty pass protection for Washington and what they provide. And now how likes to hold the ball and try and push it downfield and make things happen. And if you could be opportunistic in those instances, I think that is your pathway for the Giants to cover three. Indeed.
0: And I'm sure all of our executive producers hope that that path actually comes to fruition now when we come back we're going to talk a little bit about some more bottom dwellers but we're going to end on a high note giving you some predictions for some of our biggest games but before we do that jarvis is going to tell you a little bit about prize picks
1: what's going on good people jarvis davis here for prize picks this episode of nfl kickoff live is brought to you by prize picks prize picks is the most fun i've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season i'm telling y'all you're gonna get in on this you just select two or more players, pick more or less on the projected stats, and place your entry. It's just that simple, guys. I've been texting my skills on prize pick this football season, and it's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. No more waiting until the end of the season to try to collect your money, going to go knock on somebody's door and say, hey, man, I need my money. I won in a fantasy football league. Daily fantasy daily fantasy sports is made easy by prize picks, guys. And you could turn $10 into $250, with just a few taps, that's it. I'm telling. They even offer weekly promotions that can lead up to big payouts, like Taco Tuesday. We're going up each Tuesday. Prize Picks discount, select player projections up to 25 percent to provide even more value. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to PrizePicks.com/slash LockedOnNFL. That's PrizePicks.com/slash LockedOnNFL. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L. You know how to spell that? I'm telling you. And you're going to get a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy
0: you know we talk about fantasy right and the fact that if you're going with prize picks that's a good look for you and the fact that we are a little less than two weeks away from the trade deadline for the nfl talking about movement across the leagues now it's a good time to look to upgrade your fantasy roster maybe see some movement in your league as well you might have some gems that could help you get more value in a trade So what players should we be selling high in fantasy this week? Locked on fantasy host Michelle Majuke is here to tell you how.
4: There are three players that I think you need to sell high on trade away prior to Sunday morning. First off being Falcons tight end Kyle Pitts. I know he's had back-to-back good fantasy week, something he actually hasn't done in in a couple of years now. And it's hard to trade away a producing tight end. I get that, but he's not even the top producing tight end on his own team. Jonu Smith is actually averaging over two more fantasy points per game in PPR leagues than Kyle Pitts since week two. And with Kyle Pitts, I mean, past production has not been great. He's played 16 games since the start of last season. And over that time, he's had three or fewer receptions in 11 of those 16 games, fewer than 50 receiving yards in 13 of those 16 games, and three total touchdowns over that time span. I don't envision Kyle Pitts is going to score that much more than the other low-end tight ends that you can get off the waiver wire and kind of stream. So in that case, I would rather just trade away Kyle Pitts high right now and upgrade at another position Another guy I'm looking to trade away this week is wide receiver, George Pickens of the Steelers. He Pickens posted a career high, 130 receiving yards in week five prior to the Steelers buy, but now I think it's a good time to trade him. There's no doubt that he's extremely talented, but he's stuck with Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett two guys that they can't get their crap together. Right. And they only sometimes remember George Pickens even exists. So in that case, I don't love how highly inconsistent he's been for fantasy. And then you also have Deontay Johnson coming back from IR. Deontay Johnson is the lead wide receiver on this team. He's the top target guy, and he's going to steal targets away from George Pickens, which is going to make him even more inconsistent. So in that case, I'm looking to sell him high off of that career game he had in week five. And then last up, it's Patriots running back Ramondre Stevenson. He actually had a pretty nice game last week, and I think that's why you can sell him right now. Uh, It was against a really weak Raiders run defense, but he he came through with a good fantasy week. But the three weeks prior, he scored a combined 15.6 fantasy points in a full PPR league from weeks three through five. Like he was unusable. He was destroying your team. And the issue is last week he had a nice fantasy game, but he still only had 10 carries in that game. He was still losing a ton of snaps and carries to Ezekiel Elliott The Patriots offense has been just horrendous this year. And Stevenson's workload has just been sporadic and he's been inefficient. And I don't want to deal with that inconsistency all season long. I think this week right now with six teams on by so many running backs being injured, There's going to be fantasy managers willing to pay up for a startable running back this week, and you can actually get really great value for Stevenson. And I don't know if you're going to continue to be able to get that after this week. So sell high on him now while you can.
0: Trade Kyle Pitts. Uh, Jarvis, trade Kyle Pitts.
1: In your
5: fantasy?
1: No, no, that's finally starting to get some type of rhythm. So yeah. I, I think the Pitts is a guy that I I would I would hold on to because here's the thing: when we think about you know we've had so many conversations about <laughs> ad nauseum about what Kyle Pitts should be bringing to the table on on a weekly basis on Sundays at one o'clock at Mercedes Mercedes-Benz Stadium, whether they're out on the road as well. So, and, and I think that. Desmond Ritter is finally starting to come around as far as like, okay now I'm finding my guy now that he's lining up in line and he's lined up in that slot. I can get him the ball and they're able to. Arthur Smith is able to, you know, scheme up, you know, some 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 good plays for him so he can get him the football. And I think that, you know, last week he was able to get into the end zone and he was actually lined up on the outside on that that particular play and and beat double coverage. Um, So. And so, yeah, I, I will I would hold off on trading cow Pitts if I if I'm sitting there with him, because like I know you had to be patient because I had him last year. and I'm just like, I don't know about this one. So but yeah, I will hold on to cow Pitts for now.
0: Now, Kyle, another one that had me kind of scratching my head, trade George Pickens. And I can definitely hear Michelle's rationale because Deontay Johnson is essentially well, they're kind of one A and one B, just to be honest, when he's in. But Deontay Johnson, he, I mean, Deontay is not a threat yet because he's coming back if he actually gets to play. So I don't know if it's the time. Do you think it's the time to trade George Pickens?
3: I think there's a, a maybe a nice opportunity to cash out high long-term uh, if you feel like, well, you know, and now Pat Fryer banged up and it sounds like he's going to miss yes. a little bit of time. So you've got Deontay coming back and Pat's going out. And Jarvis is talking about how we need to get Najee Harris more involved to, to fix the offense and play more sustainable football, which I generally agree with. So you're looking at George. He's got over 400 yards from scrimmage, and I think that's like far and away the highest on on the Pittsburgh offense thus far. If they are going to find balance at some point this season, maybe this is kind of the opening of that window to cash out high there if you think that's the case. But I actually really agree with Michelle on uh, Ramondre Stevenson, and Mm. if you're looking to cut your losses, you might not be able to sell high here but mm-hmm. they got the Bills and the Dolphins the next two weeks at one and five already. He's logged his two t- lowest carry totals of the season. The last two weeks with eight and 10 carries respectively. He's averaging, uh, th- th- they're averaging as a team less than three and a half yards per carry. And then you look at what they have down the stretch. When you think about playoff time and they play the bills, the jets and the chiefs in a four week stretch at the end yeah. of the season too. So yeah, I'd, I'd be selling on Ramondre Stevenson, whatever you can get, I'd probably be trying to get it at this stage for him.
0: Yeah, he's the one I agree with Jarvis as well. That I think Ramond, it would be a good look to go ahead and trade Ramondre at this point. What do you think, Jarvis?
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I actually have him on one of my fantasy teams. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm kind of trying to figure this thing out. So, yeah, I, I think Michelle sold me. I'm, I'm sold on that because here's the thing that offense is bad. Like, you don't know what you're going to get from a, a, on a weekend we got basis. You know, uh, uh, on on that New England, on a New England post, um, coach, um, Patriots, New England Patriots coach team, excuse me. um, I think there is something there that we have to understand, like what's going on in there. And you kind of got to look at the whole landscape. I understand the whole digging into the numbers and all that stuff, but look at it from a long term standpoint. Okay, does Ramon J Stevenson gonna give me the best chance to win my game on a weekly basis? And if you kind of having the foresight to say, you know what, let me see what I can get for him coming off of a, of, a, of a good performance against the Raiders. So yeah, I think that's a great, that's an excellent idea. And I might actually try to reach out to some folks to see if I can trade them on my squad.
0: Ah, I see. I see. So I'm going to challenge you guys, right? Because we said we were going to end the show on a positive note. So somehow we're going to find a silver lining. And I don't mean that like I'm slanting in the direction of the Raiders, but we're going to find a silver lining In this upcoming game where there's no Jimmy G, there's no Justin Fields. We just got the notification Fields is officially out for this game. Raiders and Bears are playing with Brian Hoyer and Tyson Baggins, respectively. Kyle, of a game, could it be or do you see anything that gives you some hope that this could be a good game?
3: This is one of the games that makes me really thankful that I'm a draft Nick and I do the college scouting all year long because right. Tyson, Tyson Bajan at quarterback for the bears, really fun story played, uh, in the PSAC. And if you don't know what the PSAC is, it's like the Pennsylvania state athletic, uh, conference. Oh, you. And, and like, puts down <laughs> in Westchester and, uh, Tyson Bajan played in that, level of competition. And he went to the senior bowl uh, this past uh, winter and really made an impression. He's a really fun story. Uh, he's had some really bright flashes on tape. He had some bright moments at the senior bowl. Uh, I had a chance to talk to him down there in mobile and I was impressed with his football IQ and just how well he grasped the game for coming from that level of competition. So my silver lining is this is a player with a fascinating story that has a really cool opportunity to do something with it uh, in the midst of what is looking like a sunk season in Chicago. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what he does with it. And we'll see what, what kind of production that leads to. I don't know my expectations as a whole for Chicago offensively are particularly high, but I'm rooting for Tyson to have a good performance just because he he's somebody who kind of embodies the pathway that a lot of players, not your household names that everybody knows or on our own billboards, but a lot of players and the journey that they take to try to achieve their league dreams and live in and play in the NFL. That's the Tyson Bajan story. So I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the Wiley veterans, Jarvis, will be there for the Raiders in place of Jimmy G. Any silver lining there maybe too?
1: I mean,
8: maybe Tyson can,
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe Tyson basic can strive to be a guy, be Brian Horr if he, if he can say, hey, yes. um, I was like Brian, I had a Brian Hoare type of career. I think Tyson basic would be doing well for himself because we know he's come in in different situations and, and played really well. And so. I mean, that's what you expect. So I think that, you know, Brian Hord may be looking at uh, looking on the other side of the field saying, hey, I remember, I remember when I was that kid, you know, nobody knew who I was. And and I'm coming in, you know, and, and having to having being able to come in and have a a, a a solid NFL career. And I think that's what all Tyson strives to have. And like I said, if he can have a, a, a career like uh, Brian Horton has had, yeah, he'd be doing well for himself.
3: Tanitra, yeah. I, I got your silver lining for the Raiders. Okay, let's go Josh, for it. Josh Jacobs is going to average more than four yards per carry for the first time this season against that wow. Bears rushing defense with those young guys on that defensive line. Jacobs obviously won the rushing title last year. Right. His his high watermark for yards per carry this season is 3.6 at a gate. He's going to get over four this week. So if you're oh, a Josh boy. Jacobs' fantasy owner to kind of tie everything back together, yeah. there's your silver lining.
0: Ah, that might be a good look. That definitely might be a good look. And, you know, Jarvis, Devontae Adams had some words, some very, very strong words this week about what his expectations are. So sometimes, as you know, as a former player, you hear from that player and it makes a world of difference in terms of how you approach the game.
1: So, yeah, give him the football. I mean, I I think that's all he was saying. Like, hey, give me the rock and I know we're going to win some. um, continue to win some games. That's it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's what I think as well. It was just really – sort of one of those calls. And I think, Kyle, you mentioned it earlier. It was the staff for the Miami Dolphins, but it was also the players for the Miami Dolphins. And sometimes you hear those players and it makes a world of difference. So we will definitely have our eyes on some big games this weekend. know you guys will have your eyes on it too. As always, thank you guys for stopping by NFL Kickoff Live, and we will see you on the Locked On Podcast Network next week.